Let's Talk PR and More. Public relations, media, publicity, integrated communications, marketing, digital, reputation management, and more. Let's Talk PR and More with award-winning PR strategist, Sherry Goldman. I'm Sherry Goldman, president of Goldman Communications Group, and welcome to Let's Talk PR and More. My guest today is Linda Zebian. Linda is Senior Director of Communications and Community at Muckrack, where she sets communication strategy for Muckrack's enterprise, targeting internal and external audiences, and also handles its partnerships and events. Linda has held communications positions at the New York Times, managed media relations for consumer unions' various magazines, and started her career as a reporter covering the media industry at Folio Magazine. This year, Linda was named a top woman in PR for leadership by Reagan Communications. So Linda truly has experience in the relationship between PR and the media, and I'm excited she's here today. Welcome, Linda. Thank you so much, Sherry, for having me. I'm so happy to be here. It's great. So let's talk. PR and journalism are inextricably linked, right? Love-hate relationship. PR people need journalists in the media, and the media and journalists rely on PR people, like I said, love-hate relationship. And I know that Muckrack did a 2023 State of Journalism report, which is really what we're going to talk about today. And I went through it. I find it so interesting. So I just want to start. Give us a bit of background on why and how Muckrack did this study. Sure. So Muckrack puts out um, numerous survey reports. Um, to for free, um, we survey journalists every year. We sur- uh, survey PR people across industries, agencies, and brands every year um, about all sorts of different topics. What it's like to be a journalist, um, what the day to day is, what the concerns are, how much money do they earn, um, how busy they are, um, etc. So to get a sense for PR people to understand what it's like to be a journalist and for frankly journalists to understand what it's like to be a PR person so that, you know, hopefully there can, we can build better understanding between the two. And hopefully work together. Cause I don't think we understand each other. I came out of the media as well. So I have that perspective, but I'd say most people don't. Agreed. And you know, it's funny. We, we work in such adjacent, um, you know, almost overlapping and we work so closely together our two industries, but I do think that there is just a lot of things that are misunderstood um, and frankly, maybe holdovers from a, another time, mm-hmm. um, uh, in my opinion. But, but um, yeah, that's the aim is to just kind of bridge a little bit and build build community between between uh, PR folks and journalists. I think it's fabulous. I think the more we can understand each other, the better. So let's dig into some of the findings. I can go through them, or do you have the top line that you want to say, the key finding that you found? Yeah, I mean, you know, we surveyed 20, over 2,200 journalists, and this was at the beginning of 2023, and really the top findings, you can know. Can I interrupt for one they, second? Are they print sure. journalists, broadcast journalists? Does it They're matter? They're all the journalists. All journalists. Okay, all, so cross-section. Yeah. Great. Okay, go back. Yeah, okay, sure, no problem. We surveyed over 2,200 journalists across print, newsletters, digital journalists. Earlier this year, at the beginning of 2023, to understand the current state of journalism and the future outlook of the industry, Um we uh, worked with a number of media partners, including the Society of Professional Journalists and the Online News Association on this. Okay. And our top findings were 
that, you know, economic uncertainties certainly impacted us on the PR side. We know that it's impacting the work of journalists this year. Around two-thirds of journalists said it was a top concern. Um, the number of journalists um, who are responding to pitches is actually um, saying, they say it's about about 7% of them say they're more likely to respond to pitches this year. You know, that's, um, the, that's actually one of my first bullet points because I pulled out bullet points that I would ask you about, and I was shocked about that. That was actually the first bullet point that I had, that journalists say they're more likely to respond to pitches. I'm shocked. Yeah. Thrilled yeah. but shocked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think maybe uh, journalists are, they're run so thin and maybe... Um, they're looking for a little bit of um, assistance, right? Maybe PR folks are becoming more savvy with their pitches. I mean, oh, that's I our would aim hope at Muckrat. that, right? I would hope so, I teach, yes. I teach PR writing and media relations on the college level as well and have to teach them how to pitch. So I would hope that, but... I yeah, I, I, I hope so, too. And, you know, about half of respondents said they're just as likely to respond to pitches this year as last year. So if you put those, you know, two numbers together, you know, you're looking at over 80 percent. Right. Um, either, either, you know, staying on course or, or, or going to be more open to pitches. Only 19 said they're less likely to respond to pitches this year. So that's good news. That good is news good news. Absolutely good news for us because our job is to get our clients or our organization's message in earned media. So, um that's good that they're responsive. And I know one of the things I looked at or I saw that you found the perfect pitch of what is. I have notes like 92% per, prefer to be pitched via email, not bulk emails, not MailChimp, not, you know, 88% prefer pitches that are 300 words or less. Oh, my God, that's so short, Linda. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, no, indeed, indeed. And 67% want it under 200 words actually. So <clears throat> that just goes to show how, you know, how much real estate we're working with and how succinct we have to be. So they just when, want the idea, but they don't want who the client is. Cause in 200 words, I could say, here's a topic you should cover, but I can't say to you basically who my client is and why they're the credible source that you should interview mm -hmm. for that. Right. So are they looking for well, the ideas, but not the interview or... I think, I think, right. I think it's like I'm um, planting a seed. Okay. It's tease. It's a tease, right? Like it's, it's, in, it's sparking something in them, right? So it's, you've got a subject line and you've got 200 words and what are you going to do with it to get them to open that email and to ask you for more. And is the subject line what gets them to open the email? Obviously. Obviously, yeah, yeah. They um, they're looking for. Uh, I mean, I mean, we did ask about what is it that makes you know a story uh, interesting, right? It's really about you know it runs the gamut. It's subject to um, connected to a trending story. Seventy percent of journalists, nearly seventy percent, said that's what makes a story interesting to them. Okay, contains an image or infographic. Sixty-three percent said that. An exclusive or surprising data, about half. And then, you know, easily uh, localized and relevant to the target audience, almost half. I'm surprised that's not more because I would think, you know, on, it, it should be for the target audience. I mean, that's what I preached, seems like, 24-7, is that Agreed. you have to be for the target audience and find the right journalist to pitch based upon who their audience is and if it matches with the target audience Agreed. you need to reach. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, but you know what? The power of the trending story, right? That makes I guess sense. Is the takeaway. I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think, you know, if we're talking about journalists who are cranking out news a few stories a week, we did ask how many stories they're producing a week. Um, most put out two to four if you're writing two to four, but then you've got, you know, 20% between five and seven, and then another almost 20, 11 more stories a week. Wow. Let so me ask you a question. What are they writing about? To you, yeah. And you may not know this. Is this up from last year? Because we hear journalists and journalism organizations and media are downsizing. And, and certainly I know journalists are working really hard with a lot less resources. So is this up? Are they doing a lot mm. more with less? Or you, you may not have found that in your Yeah, I don't, I don't have... Yeah, I don't have access to last year's right in front of me. Okay. But um, but I will say that, you know, we found that journalists are covering, covering about four beats. Wow. Um, which is <gasps> comparable to last year on average. Yeah. Okay. Four beats. That's um, a lot. Yeah. So, again, like, they are. that's why the, the, the pitches need to be short. That's why um, they need to have, you know, if you're thinking about how many stories, 20% are writing uh, more than 11 stories a week. What does that mean? They're they're pretty much following the news a lot of the time. These are maybe eleven stories that you're not necessarily writing like you know features or long form reads for the Sunday the Sunday reader. You know, so I think you know keeping that in mind is, is certainly yeah. Helpful. And that says to me that what they are going to jump on also is everything that's self contained. If they have to do a lot of work to find stuff out. If they have to interview 22 people, if you haven't given them in your pitch everything that gives them a story, it may become too time-consuming and just get lower prioritized and maybe not done. Exactly. And that's something that I learned working at the New York Times for nearly 10 years in comms, right? Right. I, if you can anticipate the need of the journalist and help them out before they have to ask, ooh, that's a relationship right there that's a that's a that's a really healthy way to work with a journalist and you know next time they'll be coming to you and that's the goal right right the goal is to be a resource and have a relationship with a journalist I think and I'm sure you see this I know I see this is that or hear this that you know PR people just in some ways spam them they send pitches or they send press releases to journalists they have no right sending it to it's not their beat. It's not their issue. It makes no sense. Or they pitch, they take the New York Times and they send it to 30 people, you know, in the hopes mm. that one will do it. Well, all you're going to do is really annoy 30 journalists that could be relationships down the road, in my opinion. Well, it's not just your opinion, right? <laughs> Most, I mean, we have the data to back that up, you know. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, most journalists are getting up to five pitches a day. Some reported getting, you know, between 11 and 20. So imagine what their inboxes look like. And then we also ask them why, you know, why do you immediately reject an otherwise relevant pitch, right? Well, what did the they top say? Answer, top answer, lack of personalization. So it feels like a, a mass email, okay. right? Um, the second, and that's, that's about a quarter of journalists said that An, another, uh, you know, 22% bad timing, right? There's, there's war going on in the world and you're pitching, you know, bathing suits, you know, no, <laughs> right. <laughs> I hear you. Right. And it's hard. It's hard to be, to work in PR and you've got, you know, you've got goals, you've got 
um, business doesn't stop. But certainly, I think let's be strategic on the timing and sensitive to global events and how they're relevant and what this journalist might be looking at in their day. You're right. And we have to counsel our client that goes, we may need to table this for a few weeks until a little more normalcy comes back into play and we can talk about other topics. Exactly. Exactly. And those are times, those are great times, right? We don't always have to be pitching. There's other parts of the PR, of PR strategy and PR workflows that we can work on, like, you know, reporting, right? right? <laughs> Monitoring and reporting and, 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 and uh, reporting internally into stakeholders on, on how we're doing, um, <clears throat> managing our teams, other things. Um, another uh, about 20, uh, about a quarter said um, pitches are unrelated to their beats, you know? So that's, that's, obviously an irrelevance, but, um, you know, make sure that your data that you're using is accurate and the most recent it can possibly be. Um, Spreadsheets don't help there, right? Spreadsheets are stagnant, right? Right. You need a dynamic media database that's got that you're not going to (laughs) be embarrassed by when you reach out to a journalist who maybe, hey, maybe they used to, you know, cover politics, but maybe they're now covering, you know, technology, Listen, and, I've had it where I pitched a reporter. I've had the interview a client, and they followed up, followed up because they wanted to talk to more people. And they go, "My beat was just changed yesterday. I no longer am able to cover this topic. I now have oh. to move to somewhere else." And you have to start all over again with so and so. Isn't that just so I, disappointing? My head wanted to explode because you have to go yeah. back to the client and go, "Well, it's not really going to happen anymore. Maybe not." Yeah, and sometimes the client doesn't understand these dyna- these dynamics of newsrooms, especially um, contracting newsrooms, right? Exactly. Yeah. So they're all such good information. You know, one of the other things that surprised me is that it showed that journalists are spending so much more time on social media. Tell me what they're doing. Is it to track their stories? Are they sourcing there? Do they want to be pitched there? And what does it mean for PR? So I think all of the above, maybe minus the pitch. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so like 66%, like two-thirds of journalists are tracking their stories on social media. That's an increase of 4% That's big um, increase, over yeah. two years ago. Okay. Yeah. So, so really social is where it's at, as we know. And, um, you know, where the journalists, you know, they're still on Twitter, X. Um, you know, 78% of journalists said Twitter is uh, the most valuable social platform um, by a long shot for journalists, followed uh, by wow. Facebook and right soon after. So Facebook's got about half of the value that Twitter has. And then LinkedIn um, is right under Facebook. And interestingly enough, um, LinkedIn po- LinkedIn's popularity has grown by 8% year over year, and Facebook's popularity went down 5%, which I think is reflective generally of how folks are moving um, professionally. LinkedIn's really gaining traction against kind of the turmoil over at Twitter. And uh, TikTok actually jumped up 5% really? so uh, year like, over year. <laughs> what are they doing on TikTok? I'm sure. I mean, hard hard to know what they're going to TikTok for, but um, knowing the journalists that I know, they're looking for stories. They're okay, looking so for they friends. are sourcing. They're sourcing trends and ideas from there. 
Yeah, yeah. And then um, in terms of looking ahead to next year, uh, folks are really looking to spend more time on LinkedIn, less, um, less time on Facebook, as mentioned, um, and YouTube. YouTube, uh, 30% said they want to spend more time on YouTube next year. So LinkedIn was gigantic, 36%. Um, and only 13% said they've wanted to spend less time on LinkedIn. So I do think there's traction there. Yeah. Um, in terms, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm, and I'm in, noodling about what they're trying to do. So I'm wondering, they're also sourcing, but are they also trying to make it their thought leadership platform? So are they trying to have their own, you know, publish their articles? LinkedIn is doing a lot more publications and stuff. So, you know, published long form articles. So are they looking to promote their work there in addition to sourcing? And that would be an interesting concept. I mean, I think everybody is sort of looking uh, to LinkedIn to be there uh, where conversations are more so happening, mm -hmm. to, to be honest, on trending stories. I mean, you've got LinkedIn News. So I definitely think LinkedIn is kind of encroaching on what's on the whole being poked at over at X. Okay. Um, where, you know, journalists have been, you know, die hard for Twitter for many, many years. It's still super valuable. People are still on, I think, like 90% of journalists in our survey said they use Twitter. Yeah, listen, I still do too. It's not as robust as it used to be, but I can't walk away from it for my clients or for me. Yeah, there's no question. Exactly. And, you know, we did ask, are you considering leaving Twitter in the, in, or have you, I'm sorry, considered leaving Twitter in the last year? Half said yes, 44% said no. So they're really split. It's a tricky situation, right? You've got all your connections. You've got, you know, it, it's a fast-moving platform folks have been relying on for a very long time. But, you know, it's, it's changing. So we'll see. Yeah, it, I agree with you. It, 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 it serves a real purpose. I think some brands need to walk away from it. But we'll see what happens in the next year. Amazing exactly. stuff. One of the other things I saw in your report was, Fewer journalists find CEOs to be credible sources. They yes. Oh, my God. I saw, I, I don't know if I have the numbers right. It said it was 62% found them to be credible this year versus 74 last year, which is, to me, if I read those numbers right, a giant drop and very disturbing to me since yeah. we SPR people want to pitch our executives. And um, and certainly I could go into they found company PR people to be only credible 50% of the time, which I don't know. So hey. what's going on there, <laughs> Helen? <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, I, I don't have an answer for why this is the case. However, I have a thought. Okay. And I have a, a, a guess. And I think it, you know, thought leadership has just become this gigantic boom of information and influx of a points of view, right, between LinkedIn, between contribu contributed articles, and you've got councils, and just so many areas, video, I mean, so many mechanisms for leaders to get their messages out there. Maybe access to a CEO is just not all that appealing anymore. Um, and maybe, it, it, you know, they're looking for neutral sources who are subject matter experts in a time of misinformation and fake news. 
Oh, well, right? then you bring me up to said half the res respondents of your poll, if I read it correct, thought disinformation was their top concern. So it sounds like yes. we're putting it all together there. Yeah. So, I mean, even like if you think about like, say, COVID, right, and Fauci being out there as a government employee and a government representative and how much people questioned um, the legitimacy of what he was saying. Um, so if you think about that and then maybe you want to bring in, you know, these academic experts are really well received. Um, there's not sort of a people, uh, the public isn't necessarily thinking that there's motive behind that kind of uh, point of view or expertise. These are guesses on, I mean, this is what I think. Okay. Um, but this is where I think, you know, news is going. You really, they really want to put out experts that are not, are really going to solidify um, the story and, and help tell the truth. Not that CEOs don't do that. They certainly do. But CEOs, if you think about background of a CEO, they are um, speaking on behalf of a business and a corporation um, that have their own, you know, goals in mind. Whereas I think academic institutions sit in that sort of neutral, neutral space. So basically, the objectivity of the this of the spokesperson the, is their credibility, and we need to really factor that in. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Because crazy, because you're supposed to pitch your CEO, right? You're supposed to pitch your your experts. Exactly. Beyond... I mean, there's alternative ways, right? There are, there is thought leadership. We have platforms with social where we can get our CEOs the value out of that, right? Like, you know, we can use LinkedIn, we can use contributed articles, um, and there are other ways. So I just think, you know, traditional re pitching reporters, um, it's just maybe, I mean, 62% is not bad. No, it's not bad, but good. it dropped from 74%, which says we have an issue. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe it's a blip. I hope it's a blip, but I hope it's also not a trend that keeps going down, you know. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Because I believe very, very much in the power of earned media and journalism in media relations. And one of my pet peeves is every company thinks they could go direct to consumer now or direct to audience. And we'll just put it on social media and that'll be perfect. And there is a credibility that comes with earned media. And being pre-vetted. And I think the media plays a really critical role in even helping the people who read it understand something instead of you're just hearing it directly from the company and without maybe that context that you need. Oh, 100%. There is no better form of media than earned in terms of gaining um, trust. And with trust, in turn, comes, you know, uh, an action and an affinity and loyalty, right? Yeah. Um, comes a purchase. So, so I agree with you 100%. Um, and I think, you know, if we're talking about earned media generally, I mean, I, I don't think earned is, is losing its value. Oh, good. Um, I'm glad to hear that. I, I, yeah, I do not. I think it's becoming harder to get, right? Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, so it makes our job even more challenging. But, you know, as newsrooms contract, other forms of media are on the rise, and um, there are tactics available to PR pros like us that didn't exist 10 years ago. So as we lose something, something is gained. Um, that credibility factor is a, is the big question, though. Yeah, and it's like I said, that really was concerning to me. And then I know it said 
half the their respondents thought disinformation was their top concern. Any more information that was gleaned from there that we should learn from? Yeah, so we did ask what the, this is our first year asking um, what their top concerns were. Um, okay. Lack of funding was, it was 50% disinformation, 50% lack of funding. Ouch. So they had to choose, you know, we gave them a lot of options. They chose their top three. I mean, again, this is concerning. You know, who's paying for um, ind- independent journalism? Everything is free online. So if, if who's going to fund these newsrooms and really support a free press? It's so much bigger than just news business. It's really critical and to And that's where the investigative democracy. journalism happens and all of that that tells you either what's going on in your local community or your school board. It's those reporters finding out that information, you know, the truth. Exactly. And, exactly. So we, and we, I think we, we can't we, lose those newsrooms. We can't. We've taken advantage of them uh, since, you know, the digital uh, digitization of news and, uh, you know, there are organizations working really hard to boost, con- you know, general population awareness of the value of independent news. Um, but we need to, you know, put, put our dollars and support these journalists or um, we're just going to have a bunch of influencers <laughs> um, giving us, and government, unchecked government officials, you know, giving us information, which is not kind of the society that I don't think uh, most of us uh, hope to hope to be in no that that'll be that'll become problems that we haven't even thought of yet or most people haven't thought of mm-hmm. yet linda this has been fascinating anything else that i missed to highlight because we're almost out of time they that you want to make sure we discuss um yeah let's talk about trust really quickly sure um you know a really positive that came out of our report was that of journalists say trust in their area of coverage has increased or stayed the same um, year over year, which is really good news considering, you know, (laughs) what we're hearing, you know, in national polls about um, the public's trust of of media. So we do, we hope for, we hope for that number to keep going up. That's a great way to end, right? On something positive. And exactly. that's terrific. Linda, thank you so much for being here. I've learned so much talking to you. This is fascinating. Are you doing the study again next year? We will. We, we, we do it usually um, at the beginning of every year. So watch for it. It's um, The whole study is, is free. So you can just head over to Muckrock and anybody can um, access the study. And we usually do a, also a webinar on it and we, where we talk to journalists um, live. So watch for that. Terrific. That sounds great. Hopefully everyone will. Linda, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, This was a blast. That's Let's Talk PR and more for today. You can find more information about the show and about me at Goldman Communications Group's website, www.goldmanpr.net. And if you want to hear the show again, you can listen to the podcast, which is posted on Goldman Communications Group's website, as well as on most of your favorite podcast sites, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. Thank you again for listening. I look forward to talking PR and more with you all again next week.